0: I'm now going to be speaking with Steve Thornburgh Threadneedle, who runs the global equity element of the Strategic Managed Fund. Steve, welcome to this series of recordings. How are you today? Very well, thank you, Chris. Steve, you manage the global equity element of the Strategic Managed Fund. Could you elaborate on your investment style for those listeners who may not be familiar with your approach?
1: Of course, yes. So uh, we launched our global income strategy seven years ago. And uh, we have a very defined strategy where we only focus on selecting stocks that are in the top 20 to 25% of the yield band within the world index. And we do that with a, a very disciplined process. We look for three things at the stock level. We look for income, we look for growth. And we look for robust balance sheets so for income we want a minimum yield from all of our investments of four percent and that has generated a portfolio yield of four and a half percent currently after we're satisfied that a company will deliver that yield we want growth so we look for earnings growth and dividend growth to help us identify attractive businesses that are growing and that can support that dividend and then we want a robust balance sheet balance sheets that support the business support the dividend and support growth going forward
0: now, there was a couple of things I wanted to pick up on that. Firstly, you talked about income generation and, and the yield floor that you have in the portfolio. Clearly, income investing has had a very good time over, over the past uh, period. Do you still see conditions favouring the approach of having a higher weighting towards stocks with an attractive yield?
1: Absolutely, For, for a number of reasons. We think that investing for income has been a very successful strategy for a long time. In the UK, we've been running income strategies for over 40 years. And if we look back at the performance over the last 36 years, which is where I have data for, the average income manager has outperformed the average growth manager for 24 of those 36 years. And uh, the average outperformance is around half a percent, 50 basis points per year. So over a long period of time, income investing, targeting dividend-paying companies has provided a very strong and consistently performing strategy. And we think that's partly uh, due to the type of companies that we're targeting, robust, conservatively managed, and also managed for the long term, rather than chasing short-term profits, making acquisitions that quite often destroy value. Companies that uh, have a discipline of paying high and sustainable dividends – uh, we think are managed for long term and really uh, you know, a, a base they're looking for generating cash flow that supports that dividend and grows that dividend over time.
0: And, and you also talked about robust balance sheet. You've mentioned the word robust a couple of, a couple of periods of time. Obviously, there's, there's cyclicality in balance sheet strength. And, and we've gone through a period of, of balance sheet recovery since 7 09. I wondered, how, how do you deal with the situation where balance sheet strength is declining? Or how does that adjust your investment approach?
1: It's something we pay very close attention to. We're fundamental investors. We're spending most of our time looking at companies, meeting managements, really digging into the fundamentals, trying to identify the opportunities and identify the risks. And one of those most certainly is the balance sheet. Uh, and you're absolutely right, through the economic cycle, balance sheets in general will evolve and will change. And uh, it's our job to monitor those changes. And if we feel that balance sheets of the companies we're invested in, or that we, we're you know, interested in, are moving in directions that we're not comfortable with, and that would generally be with having too much levels of debt, or if their debt structure, so their interest rate burden was getting too high, threatening the growth or threatening the dividend, that is certainly something that we then engage managers with. And if we're not happy with the answers that we get from them, then that would be a, a, you know, a key part of the decision making to either sell sell exposures or reduce exposures. So it's very important the health of the business, particularly for an income strategy, because it's it's very much the cash flow and the calls on the capital and the profitability of the business and, and how they uh, support that dividend and how they grow that dividend.
0: And coming back to this point of dividend growth, when you're engaging with management and, and you're talking to them about the dividend growth prospects, what sort of clarity can you get in terms of predictability of dividend growth going forward
1: dividends uh, historically have been much more predictable and much more stable than earnings so as we go through the economic cycle earnings can be very volatile but uh, companies certainly the companies that we're targeting ha- where management have committed to high and sustainable dividends they're very reluctant to cut them or reduce them during difficult times and that's partly because of the quality of the businesses as we're looking at and and the balance sheet support that we were just talking about but it's very much part of our engagement with management's what's the commitment to the dividend what's the potential for that growth. Uh, And I'd say part of the the attraction of businesses that we invest in is their long-term commitment. And it's uh, sort of the capital discipline. If they're making 100 uh, 100 pounds in profit, if they're paying out 35 or 40 pounds of that in dividends, they're deliberately limiting and constraining the capital they've got to retain in the business to uh, to generate growth and reinvest. And that means they have to be very disciplined in their approach to reinvesting the capital they have left. If they're not paying a dividend, there's much less discipline and uh, that's where you may get value uh, destroying acquisitions and innovations that don't add to the to the business
0: and talking about uh, discipline clearly in the UK we've had a very strong discipline in terms of the contribution of dividends to total return over a long period of time I would argue that discipline is less strong in, in Europe and the United States what's your experience of that?
1: Yes, I think Europe has very much started following the UK, and so there, there is a, quite a strong culture of, of dividends there, and actually in Asia as well. When we had the financial crisis or the currency crisis in Asia in the late 90s, they, the financial markets were closed to them. Companies were struggling to re- to finance them, them, themselves. Since that recovery, they've uh, restructured their balance sheets, carrying a lot less debt than they were used to, than they used to, and they've also started paying very healthy dividends to shareholders, making sure that their financial markets were on their side. So, should times get tough again, the, the financial markets are much more favourably disposed. Uh, that's a lesson that, unfortunately, the West didn't learn as we went into the financial crisis of 2007-2008, where many of our companies were far, you know, way over leveraged, and again, the financial markets were shut to them. So. So, you know, I think, you know, as an income investor, uh, UK has historically always paid very good dividends. Uh, Europe certainly has that culture now. Asia does. Where we do struggle would be the US and Japan, still uh, really not much of a, a strong dividend culture, but we are beginning to see changes. And we can see um, payout ratios beginning to pick up in Japan and in the US, still way below the, the, the payout ratios, the dividend ratios that, that we get in Europe and, and Asia, but improving from, from low bases.
0: So so all in all, you feel very confident about the prospects for this portfolio?
1: Yes, I do. I think earlier on we touched about you know the, the prospect for dividend investing and uh, you know, we still see that dividend stocks are attractively valued. They, they trade at a discount to the broader market and we don't actually feel at threatening that, that the market itself is expensive. We think it's trading on longer term averages, recovering from lows of the financial crisis, but we don't see despite the performance in the last three or so years, we don't see equity markets as expensive and then within that we see dividend stocks as trading at a discount. So you know, we see the attractions of the income generation that investors uh, are looking for, but also uh, attractive valuations. Steve,
0: that's wonderful. Thank you very much indeed for your time.
1: My pleasure. It's wonderful. Any views and opinions expressed are solely those of the individuals and are subject to change. Where individual securities are mentioned, they do not necessarily represent a specific portfolio holding and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase or sell. Please be aware that past performance is not indicative of future performance. The value of an investment may fall as well as rise and you may get back less than you invested. Returns on equities cannot be guaranteed. Equities do not provide the security of capital characteristic of a deposit with a bank or building society.